Hi. Here we are. Once again, as always, we never miss an appointment. Never. Never, never, never. We're always on time. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. Ghostesses? That is Corinne in the dark. I can't see her face and it's very ominous and awesome. I'm backlit, but Mm -hmm. I'm not moving. Love it. Setting the mood. And that's Sabrina. That's me. You really need a flashlight underneath your face instead of your microphone. I wish it was a flashlight. So it was just <laughs> illuminating your face a little bit. Oh, that would be good. We did a thing last weekend. We did do a thing. The thing was we attended the Outliers Podcast Festival in mm-hmm. Los Angeles. And we were one of the few podcasts that actually performed live. Yeah. So shout out to Ever Gonzalez. That's out- at Outlier HQ and Ariel at Earbuds because you guys made it possible for us to do our first live show, which was incredibly intimidating, but also probably the best thing we've ever done. I sweat through my entire clothes, <laughs> like everything. People witnessed it. And then well, someone sat in the chair right after and it was like drenched. Oh, it was so horrible. Yeah. Well, when you guys listen to the audio, I admitted to something very questionable. So if you want to get early access <laughs> to the audio, you can join our Patreon. We're going to post it there. Once we we'll get probably it. probably have it there like two or three months early before posting yeah. it on our regular feed. Yep. So it was awesome. And because of it, we're addicted to doing live shows and we're going to do another one in January. Yeah, we have we have it confirmed. <laughs> it's happening. It's going to happen again. So January 13th at the Hollywood Improv, we're going to do another live show. Tickets are $25. And then if you want VIP and hang out with us afterwards, they're $50. So we'll post more information about it once we have it. But we wanted to put it on your mind, set your calendars, fly to Los Angeles. I don't know. Hang out with us. This one's the important one because this one is the two girls, one ghost live show. Just us. It is just us and this is basically the event that will determine based on numbers and feedback and whatnot um if we get to continue and move on to other cities outside of la like haunted east coast tour i don't know i would love that but it was so great and so many of our fans came to the outliers podcast festival and was just People brought us gifts. People oh my God, were dressed insane. up with ghost-themed shirts, <laughs> our shirts. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It was so cool. It was – yeah. It's one thing to think about it before doing it and be nervous. But then when you're actually there, it's just – it was a whole other ball game. It was amazing. And I, w- I felt so supported by everyone who came. It was so awesome. My mom was – I don't know why she took this upon herself <laughs> to make this her job. But she was corralling everyone that they, mm-hmm. that she – saw and thought was someone that listened to our podcast anyone who was wearing a ghost shirt she actually recognized a few few people from the facebook group from being in the group and was like oh they're over here and was like waving everyone over (laughs) to us that's amazing yeah she was taking pictures she'd be like you guys get in there get in there i'll take a photo for you it was awesome oh my gosh yeah she was on one she was was so nice pretty pretty pumped (laughs) yeah our moms are our biggest supporters Love it. So funny. Well, I'm excited for our next one, too. Me, too. We hope you guys are, too. So if you weren't able to come to our last one or if you just want to come again because you loved it that much. Yeah, guys, come again. Come again. Please. Please come again. (laughs) Come again. Because you guys will be the familiar faces in the crowd and make us feel Feel comfortable. comfortable. Exactly. Uh, Should we – do you have costumes that you picked this week? Sure. I can – I mean, I made a list of a lot. So You're so prepared. I will just – pick from well, i knew i wouldn't remember to be prepared before so as soon as we decided to do this i wrote down like 60 costumes oh that's smart 
Okay, I have a group costume for people. Oh, I am the pop culture person. Queen. Punny costume person. So this is within that category. And this was actually inspired by Marissa because everyone is trying to guess what I'm going to be this year for Halloween. (laughs) And this was actually her guess. Oh. Which was wrong. But also I was like, damn it, why didn't I do that? This is a great process of elimination. Like, I feel like. By the time we go through all these costumes, I'm going to have to know what you've done. No one will know. Like, literally oh, no one will Oh, my guess. God. Okay. Anyway, I'm really hyping it up. Okay. Anyway, my pop culture costume is a group costume. It's for five girls or guys. It doesn't really matter. Okay. It is Queer Eye. Yeah, The best. They're all amazing. Wait, that's such yes. a good idea. I would be very tempted to be Jonathan or right. Anthony. Just because I have long brown hair and I could definitely be Jonathan, except I'm not great at yoga and I can't do backflips like him. And I'm, I'm wearing not super graceful. A Jonathan outfit right now. Look. Are you? Let me see. Let me pull up the video. Oh my gosh, you totally are. <laughs> You're wearing what are they even called? Like a onesie jumper? It's basically suit? like coveralls. It's my utility outfit. It's good. I like that. That's very cute, Sabrina. Thank you. And super comfortable. <laughs> Hard to yeah, pee so in, dress though. up as Queer Eye. Everyone will know who you are. That's the Fab amazing. Five. Oh, I love that. I was just thinking, if anyone ever does the costumes that we've recommended, can you please share them with us? Because I'm so excited to see what people do. Or just share your costume with us anyway, because maybe it will inspire future costumes for us. Okay, I have one. Well, I have three, because I have mine. I finally decided mine. Oh my gosh, you're going to tell us what you are? I'm not going to keep it secret. Okay, well, I'll tell you mine first then. I'm going to do skeletons in the closet. Wait, like a punny sort of skeletons in the closet? Well, no, I'm going to be a skeleton. I'm going to wear, I'm going to have a hanger on me, but then I'm going to have other little skeletons and it's going to be like a community of skeletons that all came out of someone's closet. And I haven't worked on the full character yet, but I'm processing and it's going to be an awesome we're going to be like, everyone's going to have names. There's going to be a story of like why the skeleton's in the closet, like who killed oh, us. No. It's going to be a whole thing. That's such a good idea. And if you wanted to take it even a step further, you could come up with different things that are actual like, you know, skeletons in people's closets. Yeah. I'm going to – I should just like decorate myself in like all types of things. It's going to be a weird, punny, oh, ironic, yeah. mm-hmm. spooky costume. But it's also going to be a fun character, which I'm – Excited to develop. I know. That's the thing that I look forward to. I don't care what you're wearing. It's the character that goes along with your Halloween costumes. Yeah. It's like the most fun. Yeah. Oh, we're going to be good. What's the other one? This one's obscure. Ooh, this I one is obscure. based on a popular YouTube video that came out, I believe, in like 2007. It's called Nature Walk. Have you seen it? No. Sabrina, you haven't lived. Basically, it's this guy that's dressed up in hiking gear and he's walking around and he's like, oh, nature, nature is pretty neat. And he's just being really dumb. And then he like points to things. It's like, you can tell it's a tree because of the way it is. Oh, my God. It's kind of like a character and only certain people understand it. But it's perfect. That's amazing. Because you can wear very comfortable hiking clothing. Yeah. And you can just point to things and be like, oh, you can tell it's a punch bowl because of the way it is. It's easy. I love it. I love it. It's- do you remember do you remember the YouTube video with the little kid who's like, I like turtles? Yes. Nick dressed up as that one year. I think it was no a few way. years ago. And he so because it was on Halloween, the woman was like, it was a news 
casting thing. And the news reporter was like, what are like, what are you? And he just goes, I like turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> and he's like in like a zombie costume. <laughs> uh, there are so many good videos. When I we know. Grew up. Like the sa- Oh, you could be salad fingers. Oh, that is. <gasps> I like rusty spoons. I like it when the blood drips down. Help, help, help. <laughs> How disturbing. It's the most disturbing video. If you have not seen it, everyone needs to go watch that right now. Oh, my God. Candy Mountain, Charlie. It's a magical Leo Pluralon. Oh, that's good, too. If anyone does not know what we're talking about, just YouTube Nature Walk, YouTube I Like Turtles, YouTube Search Candy Mountain, Mm -hmm. and YouTube salad fingers and you will see these stupid videos (laughs) that just took over our childhood and like high school and even into college and are taking over this podcast today yeah here we go here we go um what's your last one okay i'm just do one more okay this is also a character this is the new exorcist whenever we talk about exorcism stories, we always talk about the priests who do them, but we don't really talk about how it's really difficult for the church right now to find priests who are willing to be exorcists because it's such a dangerous uh, path to go on, clearly. Mm -hmm. So this is a character. You can name them whatever you want. I'm not going to do everything for you. Um, And you just dress up in a priest outfit and you have holy water, a cross, and a Bible. But the character just got out of exorcism school. And they are so scared after everything they saw that they think everyone is possessed and they're going around the whole party thinking that everyone's possessed and they're trying to exercise the demons out of every single person. And then by the end of the party, he realizes that he's actually the one possessed. I always, whenever you give suggestions, I just try to run them through my mind and all the moving parts and observing it. And I don't think I could pull off your costumes. (laughs) I really don't. You could totally pull this one off. You you did like when you were were you Kendall Kylie what was her name Oh Kylie Jenner last you were year? Kylie last year you were super in character Yeah but that's that was when I decided that I can never be something too out there because I got too in character <laughs> with that and really embarrassed myself You did not embarrass yourself Story of my life I getting worked on the pool table because that's- I had my big butt and I liked it Exactly you had fun you didn't embarrass yourself you thrived. No, it was embarrassing because none of you guys were around to see it. Like I was, I decided that strangers and their group of friends would be my audience for that moment. That was amazing. I I loved that costume. This is the thing about dressing up in Halloween is I feel like your true self comes out because you're not, you're like, you have no inhibitions. You just become another person and you do things that like your real self would want to do, but couldn't really do because society tells you it's not okay. I just never thought it was okay because I don't really have a, much of a tush. But you once had I had that, that night, fake butt on me, I was like, oh yeah, I could move this thing. <laughs> <laughs> and you did. Okay. What movie are you watching this week? Okay. This movie gave me nightmares as a child, so I want to rewatch it to see if it's still as frightening. It's The Witches, the movie that came out, I think it was 1990. It's the one with all the witches and they turn the kid into a rat or a mouse. Oh, it's so horrifying. I don't think I've ever seen it. It's so, I mean, in my mind, it. I'm pretty sure I had nightmares about it for months. You should watch it. My pick is a little less frightening. Okay. But still amazing. And I totally had a crush on the character. What is it? It's the little vampire. (gasps) 
I loved The Little Vampire. It's a year-round movie, honestly. Can I be honest? I used to sleep with my window open, hoping that a little vampire would come jump into my window. Because <laughs> he was so cute. He was like, so cute. Like, when we were cute. young, I mean, honestly, he was like 10 years old. But we were also 10 but years old. But we were old, young. So we had yeah. crushes on him. Oh, he was so cute. What did you choose? Well, we should talk about our topic. <clears throat> what did we pick? We picked, Um, I picked this topic, which yes. was, it was an odd way to phrase this topic. But basically, I picked the topic because i wanted to do this specific place <laughs> so i wrote haunted by multiple spirits i was so actually more than- very happy to see that because i had found someone had recommended the thing that i'm gonna do and i was just like scrolling through trying to figure out where it would fit in and then i saw haunted by multiple spirits and i was like yes sometimes you just need one of those more like broad topics yes. what do you pick i chose the whaley house <sighs> i'm i love the whaley house I haven't been, which I'm so mad at myself because I've been to San Diego a bunch. Mm-hmm. And it's but really now I know affordable I to, go. to go, too. I um, My birthday weekend, I really wanted to go, but I had to finish writing my pilot on my birthday, so I couldn't go. Ugh. Curse your pilot, keeping you from the haunted house. But bless my pilot, my pilot for its things it's done for me. True. <laughs> You're on the up and up right now <laughs> in the Hollywood writing world. Okay. The Whaley House. Mm -hmm. In 1857, Thomas Whaley designed a two-story home and store now known as the Whaley House. It sits Mm -hmm. still in its original spot today, which is in uh, the Old Town District, Old Town part of San Diego, Mm -hmm. downtown San Diego. And it was the very first two-story brick building in the area. So it was pretty known at the time everyone knew about the house that was local in the area mm-hmm. and the house was used as the Whaley family's home and also by the way i would just like to say that during my research i found out that thomas and anna Whaley had six children and one of their children was named corinne oh my god spelled the same way so it was meant to be the house had many many uses over the years so not only did it house the family um, and housed others, but it was a granary, a, a county courtroom. I think it was a polling station at one point. Whoa. There was the first commercial theater in San Diego. The first, um, well, like theater troupe was there. There was a general store, the billiard hall. It was a school, like so on, so on, so on. It was like wow. many different things. So it took on many different shapes and forms over the years. Yeah. And a lot of people walked in and out of that house. According to America's Most Haunted, which is a travel channel show, this is the number one most haunted house in America. The first reason that it is super haunted is because before the Whaley family built this home, the land was used for hangings. Oh, my God. So they were, yeah, they weren't off to a very great start. It was a little upsetting. Yeah, a little bit. Also, Violet Whaley, who was one of their, the six Whaley children, mm-hmm. she actually completed suicide when she was just 22 years old. Oh, that's so in the horrible. House. Yeah, it was 1882. It was two weeks after she got married. And her <gasps> husband, they were vacationing on the East Coast. I just assume it was in New York. I don't know actually exactly where it was. But New York is in my mind. And they were over on the East Coast. And she woke up one day and he was just gone. He was like gone from the bed. He wasn't anywhere in the room or house they were staying at. He just disappeared. Oh. So they did some digging and they found out that her husband was actually a con artist and he had just married her because he thought he was going to get all this money. I essentially freaking hate that. I hate 
Oh, this makes me so mad. Extremely. And it exists People today. People get like, conned all the time. It's yeah. horrible. Ugh. Just like, if you're going to con me, don't mess with my heart. This is why I can't deal with rom-coms, Sabrina. Well, rom-coms aren't about con men. They're about love. And they always They're, have happy endings. But to have love, you have to have the lack of love for the whole middle part. And then only the last 20 minutes, someone's like, I finally found love. But what but if for it, the other 80 minutes, it, you're just devastated. But think of it as not the lack of love, but the potential for love. You've opened yourself up for the potential to be loved and love another. No comment. <laughs> no comment. No rom-coms. Got it. Okay. Anyway, Violet. She was super embarrassed. She returned to San Diego. And when she got back to San Diego, everybody shunned her because that was pretty much the norm back in the day. She was, I mean, living in the Victorian era. And it's like, to be a divorcee, like, ooh, you know. And also to be an unchaperoned woman was frowned upon as well. So there were like two things going against her. So basically everyone shunned her and mistreated her family a bit. And this led Violet to a depressed state. And she eventually ended up taking her father's gun and shooting herself in the chest (sighs) in the heart area and ended her life. And she left a note. It was a passage from a poem called Bridge of Sights by Thomas Hood. And this is what the the note read. Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. Oh. A beautiful poem, but a horrible end to a wonderful person's life. The Whaley family was super devastated. The scandal didn't help the family at all. Corinne, who I think she went by Lillian by her middle name, but I want to call her Corinne. Yeah, call her Corinne. Her fiance actually broke off their engagement due to embarrassment about Violet's. Okay, fuck all of these men. Fuck them. Like, get I, over yourself. I hate You're them. not in love if you if your marriage or your engagement is hanging on by that thin of a shred. Right. Wait, that thin of a shred? That that thin of a thread. That thin of a thread. Yeah. <laughs> and then as if the list of tragedies could not get any worse. One of their sons, well, this happened. This happened prior to to all of this. Um, one of their first three children, I forget what order it was. I think it was their second child was Thomas. And when he was 18 months old, he died of scarlet fever. So oh Violet was gosh. their second child to be lost. This is heartbreaking. Right. And then not only that, but they also had a bad fire. It was a few months after thomas passed away and they had a general store nearby and a fire destroyed the general store and then also one time thomas the father because thomas there was a son named thomas like thomas jr and then thomas the name originality we get it thomas the father was out of town and remember this house was also used there were rooms used for different things and one of them was a court and hmm. people came in and robbed the family and Anna, the mother, at gunpoint for the court oh documents. Gosh. So this was like just the Willie family was like, this house is no good. Right. So many horrible things happened there. So many. And also Anna, the mother, she said that she always felt this sort of dread in the house and she felt like someone was always following her and that it just mm. felt like a bad space to be in. Oh, that's scary. Right. So the Whaley family was like, okay, we need to get out. So they built a new one-story home in downtown San Diego. I believe it's where the gas lamp 
district is. I always want to say Gaslight. I know. Gas lamp. That's a karaoke bar in LA. Or the red light districts. (laughs) (laughs) In many, many areas of the world. Yep. So they moved most of them moved over there. Um, some of the children eventually went back to the Whaley house and lived out their lives in the original house. But they all moved to downtown San Diego, and the Whaley house was pretty much empty for a couple decades. Okay. Fast forward to 1960, the house was opened as a museum. And ever since, people, the public, have been reporting hauntings. Yee. The very first spirit, and actually... So the public's been reporting hauntings ever since it became open, really, to the public. But the Whaley family themselves experienced paranormal activity. And so they talked about it a lot. And one of the very first spirits to ever be named was the spirit of Yankee Jim. His real name was James Robinson, and he was convicted of attempted grand larceny back in 1852 because he tried to steal a boat. He failed to steal the boat, but they still basically convicted him and they hanged him on the property right before the house was built it's so crazy to me that that is that was the consequence of attempting theft i mean if we think about salem massachusetts and the witch right you know it's like someone breathed funny and they were like you must be the cause of this other man's back pain two miles away you're a witch yeah you know it was insane fucked up so they had like viewings. The public would come and watch the hangings. And Thomas Whaley himself actually went and watched the hanging of Yankee Jim. And then he decided that it was still a good idea to buy this property and build his family house on it. And the archway, I forget where it is, somewhere there's an archway in the house. And that was basically the exact spot where Yankee Jim had been hanged when it was just land. That's horrible. That is yes. just I yeah I just can't even imagine like what reason do you have to buy that specific plot of land? I'm sure there were so many other plots of land. I don't know. Maybe it was cheaper, good location. I you know I don't. Understand. I'm not sure what they were thinking. I don't know what it was like back in the that's true late 1800s. And you don't there. want to. I don't because people smile, <laughs> and I don't care if people send me links saying that they smoked their clothes and that blah blah blah. They did all this stuff. They didn't <laughs> smell. No, they freaking smelled. They just put other scents near them to mask the stench that is their bodies (laughs) like i smell people when i'm commuting to and from work i can smell when someone hasn't washed their hair in three days i know you have sour head smell sour head smell you're gonna be like that crazy lady on the train commuting you have sour head smell you have (laughs) armpit stink i sit quietly and politely but i make mental notes of it (laughs) Back to the Whaley house. When the Whaley family built the house and they moved in, they began to hear loud footsteps through the home. They were loud. They were heavy. sounded like a big pair of boots, like work boots or something. And so they assumed that maybe it was the footsteps of Yankee Jim. And like I said, Anna also felt a presence around her and she felt as though that this presence was actually pretty negative and most likely responsible for all of the negative things that happened to her family like the deaths and just scandals and everything like that the the fires the gunpoint burglaries like all of the above they had they had a rough life and then the man who restored the house in the late 1900s also remarked at the paranormal activity and he even tried to communicate with the ghost he would like lock himself in and 
try to talk I to them. I bet that probably brought something more than just talking to the ones that were already there. Yep, probably. I mean, that was the late 1900s. But still, when the Whaley family was there in the late 1800s, there was stuff happening. So I think it's just been like a collection of spirits over time. Right. Multiple spirits. Um, in 1962, this was two years after it opened as a museum, a visitor came by and told the museum staff that 60 years prior, she and her family had been visiting the property and ended up leaving prematurely because her mother was so spooked and didn't want to stay there. And her mom said that she heard phantom footsteps and that the windows were unlocking and opening on their own. It's the vampire child. It's the little vampire. Just He's let him in. in. You're going to have so much fun. Uh, the Wheelie family, they, I mean, presumably lived with the spirits the entire time that they were home and are in that home. And then ironically, they decided to stay there in spirit form when they passed over as well. Wow. Um, so like I said before, a few of the children moved back into the home. One of them was Corinne slash Lillian or whatever. And she was there until the 1950s and reported of its hauntings. And there were also some boarders who lived there with her. And they said that there was definitely paranormal activity there. So in the end, I think it is, I think it was Corinne slash Lillian, her mother, Anna, her sister, Violet, and her brother, Thomas, who all passed away in the Whaley home. Wow. So it's four family members in the home. And maybe Father Thomas did too. I know he... I yeah. remember. I wonder where else he would have passed away. I just had a thought. I wonder if even if spirits haven't passed away in a certain place, I wonder if the energy can be so strong in a place that it essentially sucks that spirit back in after they pass away. Especially if it's familial ties too. Right. It's like the other family members are there. So you're just because pretty much well, I'll get there, but it's like almost the whole family's there. The gang wow. is there. So both Thomas and Anna Whaley have been spotted in the house, their spectral appearance, their spectral form. I have photos to send to you. I'll do it after you tell the story. But they are intense. Scout's mom and her mom's boyfriend went and took photos and have the most clear spectral forms, Wait. apparitions okay, you of spirits. You have to send them to me because so many people have caught ghost photos and posted them online. And I was flipping through all of them earlier. I just texted both of them to you. Okay. I'll look at them after. Okay. Um, so both Thomas and Anna have been spotted in the house. Many people have spotted Thomas, which is the father, uh, on the upper landing. And they will watch him as he fades. And he's wearing like a petticoat and some pantaloons, you know. Wait, take a look at the up. picture I just sent to you because I think that's him. I'm scared. It's not It's not scary at all. Why do you make me do this stuff at night? There's two photos I sent you. The first one I think is who you're talking. It's the dad. Holy. Isn't it crazy? It was taken Holy on a crap. flip phone. Whoa. This is like a superhero. He kind of looks like a superhero, doesn't he? He does kind of look like he has a cape on. We'll post these on our social media. Oh, my God. This is kind of scary. I got permission. Um. So, yeah, people spot him up there. And then his wife, Anna, she favors the garden and also the rooms on the first story. And people will smell her perfume. It was this French perfume. It was her signature Ooh. smell. And it will waft by. And people who spot her also say that she's wearing a green, a beautiful green dress. Mm. And actually, this is like one of my favorite facts about the Wheelie House. Even though it's not really about the Wheelie House. It's about a celebrity from today's <laughs> time. But what four years after the home opened as a museum, Regis Philbin from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire mm -hmm. slash 
live with Regis and Kelly mm-hmm. slash everything else. <laughs> he was there and he noticed this strange whitish whitish shape by the wall. It was kind of like a misty, like weird. It just caught his attention. And he was like, what the hell is that? So he turned on his flashlight really quick and he pointed to the floating mass, but it disappeared. And right behind the floating mass was a portrait of Anna Whaley. Ooh, I love that. Yes. She was standing by her own photo. Wow. Other people have spotted a small woman, which I don't like that description because it makes me think of like a creepy small size, but I assume like a five foot Like petite. Yeah. Like my mom's size, your mom's size. Yeah. They're both just little nuggets. So they they've spotted this woman. She doesn't look like Anna Whaley and she doesn't really like she is seen in different dress and she doesn't look like Anna. So they think it's an entirely different person. And she Mm -hmm. often will show up in the courtroom and people get a pretty good look at her. And apparently she's wearing this long skirt that has sort of like a calico print on it or like one of those like tight little, I don't know, plaid type of I don't I don't know, fashion. (laughs) If there's print on it. She's wearing a printed skirt. Okay. okay. I get, get it. I'm not mad at you. I get it. <laughs> I'm mad at myself. Why did I try to describe it? <laughs> anyway, she's wearing that. And then she also has gold hoop earrings, which I was like, oh, that fashionable. is detailed. If you can see gold hoop earrings, that's a clear yeah. ghost, right? She really planned her outfit for when she was going to pass away whoever she is and i did my research yesterday which was october 3rd which was mean girls day mm-hmm. and the whole time i was writing it i was thinking about the whole scene where or gretchen talks about like and then i got gold hoop earrings for my birthday whatever yeah so this woman in the courtroom with a long skirt and the gold hoop earrings she's unknown people do not know who she is but she's probably someone who stayed in the home over the years and also, as we've discussed, spirits can travel and they can go where they please. They don't have to stay in one spot. They can visit a spot that they've never been before. So mm-hmm. perhaps she just passed on by and was like, oh, I like this spot. There's a nice, kind family who lives here. And I have a great view of downtown San Diego. Or if we're going with my theory, she died nearby. And because the energy at that house is so strong, her spirit was sucked in and joined the party. Perhaps she was sucked in. But I do like to think that people have, even in spirit form, they have willpower and can decide where they go and are trapped. I don't like I people to be trapped. I like to think that too, but I, but I know for a fact there are places where spirits are trapped. True. Uh, there's also a spirit of a young girl who frequents the dining room. She has long hair. She wears a long dress. She moves rather quickly. Mm-hmm. And legend goes that she was actually a friend of one of the Whaley children or probably all of the Whaley children. They were closer in age. Um, But she met an untimely death when she was outside playing. She ran into a clothesline and (gasps) fell and broke her neck. But (gasps) there are no records of this happening. So the girl's identity uh, remains a mystery. That is Final Destination stuff. Seriously, it's like don't run near clotheslines. Don't run without looking ahead of you. Because I bet, like, you know, like, kids, like, they're running, like, looking back, like, oh, my God, they're chasing me. And then you're not looking where you're going. That's what it is. Then it you fall into a well. And then you You become the Samara. <laughs> Hello. Um, Violet is also believed to be in the home as well. People spot her in the back of the house and say that the room often feels cold. And 
really full of sorrow and she That's had sad. so violet remember she took her father's gun yeah. and she actually went outside to the back house and shot herself in back there but her father found her and she was still alive at the time oh. and he brought her inside to the back of the house and this is where she died and a local cop may have had a run-in with her one night with her spirit during his shift he received a call from someone reporting loud crying coming from the back of the whaley house and he responded to the call like a good cop does aka it's his job and he walks to the back of the cou- the <laughs> walks to the back of the couch <laughs> <laughs> clearly that's where i want to be right now <laughs> he walks to the back of the house and he sees a woman in victorian era clothing and she's just standing there and she's crying loudly oh. and he asked ma'am is everything all right and she turned she smiled at him and then she vanished just like that okay experiences like that blow my mind and i i don't know what i would do i I really because that means that that spirit seemed so real that yeah real enough that someone was someone who knew the history of the whaley house still thought that a real person was in danger or trespassing called the cops the cops actually responded to this call and then walked up to this woman and attempted to help her yeah that's that is wild then there's another run-in with the police but this one was anna the mother an employee was locking up one night and was punching in the code to lock up the house so that you know the alarm system will trigger if anyone breaks in and he heard a woman presumably anna say why are you here And he was so freaked out. So he bolted out the door and ended up triggering the alarm himself because he didn't set a correct (laughs) or do something. So then obviously the police were called and an officer came to the house and looked inside and found a woman dressed in a green dress, a.k.a. Anna, in the parlor. So then he calls for backup because he's like, there's a woman trespasser in the house, calls for backup. And then she disappears. It's kind of cool to think that they, like, are really coexisting in whether we can see them or not. Like, they are in that house. Like, they're all together. Their whole family yeah. is occupying that house and using it to some extent where they – yeah, it just feels like a weird cross of dimensions. It's awesome. And, too, for them to be so – such a full-body apparition, so clear that other people mistake them for real people. Right. And that they can actually turn and, like, look at the person, look at the living cop or mm-hmm. worker in the eye and have some sort of, like, recognition right. is insane. And it's also crazy to me because for the spirit, for Anna to see the cop and she's clearly confused by who he is and why he's there, like, to her, he's the – foreign invader of the home whereas yeah like this this is is her house what are you doing here she's owned this house for almost 200 years yeah there are a couple animals and you sent me another photo Mm -hmm. and it looks like an animal it's like a it's clearly a dog it's absolutely the dog and it actually looks like the dog really yes so okay so Scout told me, so her mom and her mom's boyfriend were taking photos and the, she sent me a series of three photos and I'll, I can send you the other two later. But in the first photo, it's just the table. The second photo, you kind of start to see the light. And then the third photo is a full apparition of the dog. So in the photo that you sent, the dog is underneath the kitchen table. Yeah. Begging for scraps. Yep. Hungry. So there's a dog and there's a cat. <gasps> so 
The dog is a terrier and quite possibly the terrier that the family owned, the Whaley family's dog named Dolly Varden. Oh, my gosh. People often spot Dolly chasing a cat around the house. And the cat in question, who is also in phantom form, Mm -hmm. is the Whaley family's cat, Winks. Winks? Winks. Like, I'm going to wink at you. Oh, that's such a cute name. Dolly and Winks. Isn't that that cute? It's very cute. Other activity in the house includes doors opening and closing on their own, chairs rocking, chandeliers swinging. There used to be a piano in the house. I don't believe it's there anymore, but just like one key or a couple keys would go at a Mm -hmm. time. Just be played on their own. Typical ghosts playing with pianos. That's like typical haunted mansion. If you have a piano at your house that's haunted, you can't be surprised if it starts playing by itself. If you – if I pass away – and you have a piano and you hear the Rugrats theme song going, just know that that's me because it's the only thing I can play on the piano. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, that will be a good way to make your sign, make yourself known to me. Do, 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 do. There's also the sound of silverware being used from the dining room. This is amazing. People have reported that around the holidays, they will smell dessert like pies and baked bread. Oh, cool. I know. Oh, must smell amazing. Wow. What if they really are celebrating on the other side? They're like having a family feast and it's not just a residual energy, but it, it's, it's a real smell you're smelling, but it's coming through like a weird portal of right. ghostly worlds. Not to bring up Coraline for the millionth time, but it almost reminds me of that. It's like a mirror image of the same house but it's different experiences but once in a while you cross over it's like those mice would go between the two dimensions and that was how you could see that was your only clue that like something was going on it's the upside down but a positive way yes yeah people have also reported the smell of tobacco in the home and actually more specifically they believe that it's thomas whaley who used to smoke tobacco and he they believe that he (laughs) blows tobacco smoke into visitors faces oh my gosh tom thomas i know because it, it sounds it sounds less like you walk into an area and you just smell tobacco and more like all of a sudden like tobacco is like poofed into your face oh my gosh they believe that thomas jr the 18 month old child that they had that passed away from scarlet fever they think he might be in the house too because they hear small childlike footsteps they also hear hear uh, high heels alongside them, so probably Anna and the the youngest child. They hear children's laughter and cries, um, and they also hear a woman singing sweet lullabies in French. Do they know who the woman singing is? No, but probably probably Anna. I love that that she's singing in French. That's so sweet. My mom used My to mom sing used to, me to in do French. that. I mean, like Frère Jacques, right, Frère Jacques, dormez-vous. You know that one. So I don't know if they're French or not, but <laughs> you can still sing French nursery rhymes. That's true. I just think it's sweet that she continues to sing that one specifically. I know. Well, yeah. Who knows if it's Frere Jaca? I just <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that came to my mind. Um, and then so the parlor room and the courtroom are apparently the two hot spots for activity. Uh, the paranormal investigators that come into the house say that there's like the most amount going on in those rooms and in the courtroom you can hear the sound of the gavel pounding on the desk and you can also hear i wonder who's on trial that sucks even in the afterlife (laughs) 
or maybe just doing a good practice just because like i imagine if you're a judge if you mess up the gavel hit you just look that's embarrassing yeah so maybe he's just practicing or maybe it's one of the kids pretending to be a judge (gasps) that's really you know playing that's cute you get tempted to do that sort of stuff like every single time i take a bath in my childhood home when i go home i'll take a bath in my parents bathroom and without fail, every single time, I am somehow on Ellen DeGeneres' couch, and I go through an entire interview with her. I love that your parents' bathtub reminds me of Ellen. Reminds you of Ellen DeGeneres. It's been fifteen years of me being, on being interviewed by Ellen while in a bathtub. Long. I, yep. if, if you ever go on Ellen, I'm going to require that you sit into a in a bathtub. I must be nude in a bath. <laughs> Oh, also, this one's a positive one. The sound of music and laughter often appears in the room that was rented by the theater troupe. Oh. So, I mean, clearly they had – the Whaley family themselves had a lot of bad luck Mm -hmm. when they lived there and they felt sort of negative presences. And uh, that one guy that was convicted of boat theft and whatever was Yankee Jim or John or whatever the heck his name was, he – was probably a little bit more of a negative presence. But I kind of like the idea that the whole Whaley family moved themselves in there and they're sort of like guarding the house and ensuring right. that nothing bad happens to anyone who visits. And I also like to think that maybe Yankee Jim, I mean, if you're hanged, it's a horrible death. So he's angry. But I think the second that all these other spirits maybe joined him, he was able to realize that there was some happiness to be had in the afterlife. And maybe he was able to cross over or maybe he is joining in on the fun. Like it just seems like a really good place to live in the afterlife. That's very true because it was probably lonely before. And like who wouldn't be mad? You try to steal a boat and all of a sudden your life is over. Right. That's not fair. Yeah. Not fair. Okay. So fast forward to more recently in 2000, Soho, which was or is Save Our House Heritage Organization, they took over the Whaley home and they restored it. Uh, The house was still in pretty bad shape and was pretty deteriorated. And the home's room layouts had been changed over the years because, I mean, so many people had gone in and rented it. There were just it was all over the place. So Soho planned on restoring it to its original layout and they uh, gathered info from photos, from old photos, from old blueprints. And this is cool. One of the documents that they used in restoration was actually a sketch drawn by Thomas Whaley himself. What? Of the house. Pretty darn cool, right? That is very cool. So you guys can go visit the house. I'm pretty sure their ghost tours are um, like canceled temporarily while they do some restorations and stuff but i think you can go see it normally it's in old town san diego mm-hmm. if you're staying downtown san diego there are buses and stuff that go over there so it's easy they to have get to great transportation there you can take photos like your friend scout did to catch things on camera mm-hmm. and if you still don't believe after that i would like to close out my story with a quote from regis philbin <laughs> of course <laughs> he said you know, a lot of people poo-poo it because they can't see it, but there was something going on in that house. Wow. I felt like I was just talking to him. Did you? Yeah. You really nailed that impression. Oh, I wasn't even trying to do an impression. Oh. Did I talk differently? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was just reading it. <laughs> see, you channeled him. <laughs> it was probably the worst impression ever. Yeah, it wasn't really, but it, you did definitely do something different. And I like felt like I was 
there. I think it was different because the font is a lot smaller because I needed to keep it on one page. And so it was harder for me to read the quote. So I probably said it slower. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's why. Amazing. So that's that, the Whaley House. The Whaley House is awesome. I want to go. We should do a show in San Diego. And go We should to- do a show by me so I don't have to fly to L.A. every second. Right. But we want to do lots of shows. Yeah, true. We should do a show sure, in sure, the Whaley sure. House. <gasps> Do you in think they let us? the Whaley House. That'd be in so the courtroom. Fun. Yes. Let's do it. All right, Sabrina. Okay, so I chose the Crescent Hotel, which is in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And it's also from a very similar time period. It's Victorian era hotel. Okay. I think I've researched this one before, but not. I, I haven't. Clearly, really? I haven't done it. We've also had multiple listeners email us about it. So, I'll give a shout out to the two people who actually specifically recommended it. It was Amber and Adana. And I'm actually going to read Amber's email at the end of this. Um, the I'm like hooked on this place. There was something about researching it. You know when you research or you think of certain things or you smell a certain smell or see a certain thing and it just gives you mm-hmm. a certain feeling and it sends you back to a time? Researching this just made me feel like a brisk cold fall day rain oh my gosh and like a pumpkin candle lit it just made you need me- to come to boston girl this is what we're living with right <laughs> now i'm coming soon i know okay so the crescent hotel is a historic hotel and it's located at 75 prospect avenue in eureka springs arkansas it has been billed as america's most haunted hotel and it's located in the ozarks um During the construction of the hotel, it became national attention because it was believed that Eureka Springs, which is the like water around there, actually was healing waters and people would come to the hotel in in search of these, um, in search of these healing waters. Were you about to say aliens? Yeah, in search of these aliens. No, I was going to say in search of these waters to heal their ailments ailments got it ailments same thing my brain wants to talk about aliens always because i just want them to love me okay (laughs) uh it's a really really pretty building it's massive and it's victorian style and it actually reminds me of when i was reading down a dark hall it's the house mansion school that they go to it's what i pictured it would look like i love how you read down a dark hall recently because of how much i was talking yeah about i had to i have to know what you're talking about at all times it's so good i don't want to fomo i don't want to be left out uh yeah so it has numerous towers overhanging balconies thick granite walls and it's especially beautiful in the fall with changing colors and amber in her email to us said that they actually decorate the hotel in the fall and I'm assuming that means Halloween decoration. So oh. if you live in that area, go to it now because it sounds amazing and send us photos. And take photos. Send to us. Talk about FOMO. Send us photos. Yes. I will be so jealous. So during the construction of the building is when it actually gained its first ghost. So in 1885, Michael, who was a stonemason, he was an Irish man, he unfortunately fell to his death during the construction and his spirit mm-hmm. has been seen ever since. Uh, the hotel officially opened in 1886, and it was a resort for the rich and famous. So it's the kind of place that I imagine you would love to go to, Corinne. If you were rich and famous, you also had access to their massive gardens. They had tennis courts. They had, like, all these beautiful trails that you can go along. They still do have a lot of that. And back in the day when it first opened, they actually had 
horses stables with over uh, over 100 beautiful horses that all of the guests could ride. And so at any given point, you could see like 60 people riding horses in their Vict- Victorian era garb. This is so Westworld. Yes, kind of. But like, I just feel like way more serene, not cowboys killing each other. But people wearing dresses and corsets. Right. Riding horses. Yes. Yeah. But it's up in the mountains. So it has like a beautiful view of all the trees and the skyline. It's just like, it's so gorgeous. Colorado. It's beautiful. But unfortunately, the hotel had too much on their plate and this lavish lifestyle was unmanageable. So the hotel ended up falling into disrepair. In 1908, it was reopened as the Crescent College and Conservatory for Young Women, a school for young fine ladies. Uh, and then the Great Depression happened and even the wealthy couldn't afford the school. So, Jeez, so who was going? No one. It closed down. Okay. <laughs> well, if Just no one can ghost. afford it, then who attends? Just Michael the ghost. He's like sitting there alone in the class. He's like, when are we going to learn? What, what's going on? Where's everyone else? Why am I the only one here? Was it summer vacation? Where is everyone? <laughs> then in 1937, there was Norman G. Baker. And he is quite the horrible, horrible character because – and like I just – he's awful. But anyway, so while people – eventually people learned that the water wasn't actually – didn't actually have healing properties – But then when Norman G. Baker came and took over the hotel building, people had something new to believe in because Dr. Norman G. Baker bought the place and turned it into a hospital and health resort. And he was a very interesting man. The first thing is that he really loved the color purple. Not the not the musical. I was just about to say the the movie with like Whoopi Goldberg and Oprah or someone. No, just the actual color purple. Like all of his clothing was purple. He would wear purple suits and purple ties. He drove a purple car. He painted the building purple. Like he was obsessed. This is reminding me of the CEO of T-Mobile who does like (laughs) hot pink everything in his life. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Look it up. I mean, hey, if you love a color, I guess wear it all the time. I don't know. But... (laughs) Yes, so everything was purple in his life. Um, I'm a purple girl. I was thinking, I'm purple, da-ba-dee, (laughs) da-ba-dee. So he was a millionaire, Norman G. Baker, and he was an investor. He was a radio personality. He, like, was super fascinated with uh, psychics and magic and all of this stuff. He was just, like, a very eccentric person. But he also was a self-acclaimed doctor who had no medical degree or background and yet he claimed to be a doctor and claimed to have the cure for cancer and uh he was kicked out of Iowa because he was practicing medicine without a without a degree and they kicked him out so he found this hotel the Crescent Hotel and he's like perfect my new lair and that's weirdo it gets worse. He then buys this place and then he tells the whole world that he has the cure to cancer. You're not supposed to tell anyone because that's all the people who claim that suddenly go missing. Conspiracies. Well, that's part of his conspiracy. He like later in life actually said that the American Medical Association actually he like his conspiracy. He claimed that the American Medical Association paid him or offered him a million dollars to buy his cancer cure in order to like take it off the market. So no one so people would keep paying medical bills. But that's where you say, no, thank you. But I'm just going to give you a spoiler alert. He he did not have the cure to cancer. And unfortunately, a lot of people died because of it. 
So all these people like would flock to him because they felt like this new hope, like I can finally beat my cancer and like this is like the 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 new cure and it's gonna it's gonna save my life. And people would go to him, and a lot of them did not leave. It reminds me. I of, wonder if he himself was like had a mental. I mean, I'm sure illness. Right, he was somewhat delusional. Right, I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, it also reminds me of. Have you been listening to Doctor Death that podcast? No. Okay. Maybe you don't want to because of your desire to always go to the doctors and it will scare you away from it. But like, I'm too, yeah, I'm a hypochondriac. It's such a crazy podcast and it's, it's about this neurosurgeon who just keeps botching surgeries. Like he just has no idea what he's doing and people, he leaves trails of dead bodies and he keeps practicing. It's, it's horrible. But this Norman G. Baker kind of reminds me of him. It's awful. So then in 1946, oh, well, actually, Norman G. Baker eventually went to prison. So then the building was was left abandoned, and it was eventually bought in 1946, and then it burnt down in 1967. And then in 1997, the hotel was then purchased by Marty and Elise Rognigic. I'm probably butchering that. I'm sorry. (laughs) And they spent six years restoring and renovating the hotel into what it is today. There are still lots of purple things in the hotel because of uh, Norman. But now it is officially known as the 1886 Crescent Hotel and Spa. And there are lots of legends and ghost stories that have formed because there are many guests who check out but never leave. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And another reason I was super excited about this is because the hotel is haunted all year round. They have experiences and encounters all the time. But there's one time of year that it is exponentially greater and can you guess what time of year it is? I'll give you a hint. It's our October favorite time 31st. of year. Yeah, it's Halloween. It's just around the around the Halloween time. It just gets, okay. like all of the ghosts get super active. It's like Halloween Town, where all the spirits can like or like monsters and stuff can come down to earth on Halloween. God, best movie in the world. And it's kind of basically what the real foundation of Halloween was: is that they thought that it was the day that all the spirits could enter the world. So let's get into the ghosts. The first one is Michael, the one I told you about, the stonemason who had fallen from the building during construction. He is believed to be the spirit within room 218, and employees classify him as a poltergeist. Guests have witnessed hands coming out of the bathroom mirror. Sabrina! <laughs> I just, like, made my body into a tight I know. <laughs> you just became a roly-poly. They hear cries of a man falling coming from the ceiling, which is believed to be the residual energy of the day and time that the man michael fell to his death uh doors doors will open and slam shut and then they'll lock on their own so like you'll be trying to get out and you can't employees and guests have encountered strange sounds and sensations in the room some people have claimed to be shaken awake at night they're like a lot of devices will drain battery very very quickly while in the room uh, shutters will bang in the middle of the night and the shutters are inside the room other people like hear bangs on the walls and they think it's coming from the rooms next door to them but when they go to the lobby to ask the front desk if anyone else is staying in the room next to them because they're being a nuisance they'll be like that room's empty oh my gosh this reminds me of my dad's apartment when he was like fresh out of college he lived or maybe it was a dorm room when he was in college but basically next door there were a ton of voices and like (gasps) you could hear people and it was completely vacant Oh, that's so scary. So in this room, room 218, if you ever want to stay there, uh, 
these three girls who were actually on one of the ghost tours, they were using an EMF reader to communicate with Michael and they started asking him questions. And one of the questions they asked him was, do you prefer blondes, brunettes, or redheads? And as they said redheads, the EMF reader went like spiked off the charts. So he likes redheads. And uh, this is really scary. If you are his type, apparently people have woken up to uh, Michael climbing onto them in bed. Oh, God. Other times he'll grab women's tushes, their bottoms. I'd rather him touch my butt than crawl over my body while I'm trying to be peaceful in my own bed. Oh, yeah. There's actually a story of uh, one of the hotel's owners. I I can't, it wasn't very clear if it was like a owner of the hotel in the past or if it's the current hotel owner's wife whose name is Elise. But basically someone was staying in the hotel room and she woke up screaming in the middle of the room of the night because she saw all over the walls were, was blood spattered everywhere. And she sprinted out of the room. But when other employees came in to check on it, it was fine. So it's not really clear if it's connected to Michael or it's very possible it's connected to Norman Baker. And Norman's ghost. Every time you say Norman, like his name, I just think of I know. B- the Bates Motel. I know. Well, I was like, that's very fitting because they're both creepy. <laughs> Norman is actually responsible for most of the paranormal activity, not only just himself, but because he created a lot of spirits. Uh, he himself is seen in his white suit and lavender shirt. There comes the purple again. And he is seen just as often as many of the spirits of his nurses or his patients. Like I said, he was super like he just he was just crazy. He probably had something wrong with him. His cure for cancer was a combination of watermelon seeds, brown corn silk, spring water, alcohol and carbolic acid. He just grabbed random things and just combined them and said, this is the cure for cancer. He there's. Yeah, I he must have had something. Yeah, I don't know. We can just all agree he was a little bit of a quack. I just like hate that this guy was able to get away with it and he hurt so many people because it's like people can do yeah. that and function. The show Maniac right now with uh, Jonah Hill and Emma, what's her name? Uh, Roberts? No, Emma Stone. Uh, Jonah Hill's character is very similar to that, but he still functions in the world and he's not hurting anyone else. But Norman was. And it's actually really tragic. There are like a bunch of stories of families who turned their faith into turned to norman for like hope of curing their cancer whether it was them or for their loved ones and there was one person who said that he apparently had a miracle cure for cancer and a brain tumor and brain tumors and they were basically the same exact thing so just like he just like was making up these things but right and he was picking like two of the like most intense most difficult things to to, cure yeah right and there's a story of one patient who basically was just suffering so much pain because what he would do is inject the patient in the site of the cancerous spot oh this is tmi sorry with this magic elixir like seven to eight times a day so it's just like you know this isn't medicine this is just like random stuff you find around the house injected into your body gross it's also said that he would put extreme cases into an asylum or a secluded portion of the building because he didn't want people to know that they were dying of cancer and so when they would eventually pass away he could say that it was for another reason and then he would have so many patients die and he would hide their bodies 
for weeks until they could be burned in the incinerator. Like he just was such a strange guy. He would stack bodies up in the freezer of in the basement in the morgue and then just burn them all at once in the middle of the night. Where were the family members? Why were they not taking the bodies of these people? I couldn't find out all the information, but it said that his publicity, like when he promoted his cure for cancer, he said that he could cure it in a matter of weeks. So in order to keep it from the press finding out that like all these patients were dying, he would store the bodies in the freezer for a long period of time and claim that the patients were like in the asylum or like in the secluded areas and they were like getting better. And then I I don't know how he didn't get caught. I mean, eventually he went to jail, but Right, because you'd think the family members would grow suspicious and be like, no, I need to see this person now. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't know how it happened, but it did. And uh, his spirit is now seen in the hotel. He didn't die there, but um, his spirit is seen in the lobby of the hotel. He's also been spotted around the old recreation room. And a lot of people say that he seems really lost when they look at him. So people are theorizing that maybe he's trapped there as kind of a punishment of like, you're stuck in this place and you can't leave because you have to Mm. face what you've done. I don't know. There's also been a nurse seen pushing a gurney down the hallway in the middle of the night. Um, Also a maintenance man witnessed all the washers and dryers mysteriously turning on their own in the middle of the night. And he would like try to unplug them and they just kept turning and turning. And the laundry room is located right next to the old morgue. So like maybe there's just weird, strong energy. I don't know. The morgue also still contains the original autopsy table and walk-in freezer that was there when Norman had his hospital. I love and hate that. I love that they are making – that they're not throwing it in the trash and they're making use of things that still work. But I hate that it's the original that, like, went through all of those tragic, tragic – It's awful. Um, Ghost Hunters, the show, actually went to film at the Crescent Hotel and caught a full-body apparition on the thermal camera while in the morgue area. And they believe it was the spirit of Norman Baker, but it's not clear. Uh, And then there's the Dora. She is actually a cancer patient of Dr. Baker. I'm not going to call him doctor. He's not a doctor. Freaking loser Norman Baker. And... um. Do you like my insults? They're like so hard hitting. Freaking loser. <laughs> Look at what's the L on your head. Okay. Um, I need to grow up someday. They make um, me smile. Freaking loser. Freaking loser. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Theodora, Theodora is often – she's often seen kind of like fumbling and trying to find a key. Like she just doesn't know where her keys are. And then um, – mm-hmm. She often will like approach to approach someone and be like, I'm a cancer patient and then just disappear. So similar <gasps> to Anna in your story, like people will see her. She's a full bodied apparition. And then she'll just go up to them, approach them, talk to them. And then poof, she's gone. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, she's often seen in room 419. And there was a woman. Her name is Debbie, Debbie Baxter. She was on a ghost tour at the hotel and her camera by itself started taking photos, like just going off and off and off, like by itself. And she tried to stop it, but it didn't work. And then that's her- a new nightmare that I didn't know I had <laughs> until right now. Well, it was also, it just like kept going that it eventually the battery drained. And then later she went home and plugged it back in to recharge it and looked at the photos. And one of the photos is so creepy because it's a photo of a pic picture slash painting of theodora 
and the way the lighting hits the picture frame almost looks like her eye is popping out and it's just it's really really eerie it's like a weird um lighting yeah it's just it's spooky she's also said to pack up the suitcases of guests that she does not like so it's always in room 419 (laughs) and people will wake up in the morning and their suitcases will be packed and up next to the door as if like okay time for you to get the fuck out i appreciate how passive aggressive she is yeah she's awesome and then there's morris the cat can you tell why i was excited about this um yes you just grinned so hard and then stopped and thought about him the two things that make me smile the most is when I'm insulting someone and when I'm talking about cats <laughs> uh, or doing my creepy voices. So the Crescent Hotel is home to two cats. Their names are Casper and Jasper, and they are living. But they also Casper have and Jasper. I know. Those are their current cats. And they also have a ghost cat. So they technically have three cats. And the ghost cat is Morris. And Morris was the resident ghost cat – or sorry – was the resident cat at the Crescent Hotel. And he was so beloved by all guests and staff that when he passed away, they had like this massive celebration of his life. And he has a actual burial plot at the local cemetery. And in the hotel lobby. so sweet. I know. It's so sweet. In the lobby, there's like a plaque dedicated to him. And it says like this really sweet, long thing. Um, It says... I'll read parts of it. It basically just said how well he did his duties and keeping the hotel safe. And it said they might. He was such a hard worker. I know. And it actually says on the plaque, they might have ghosts, but they never had mice. Oh, it's too cute. (laughs) And actually, a lot of people will feel a cat jumping into their lap and kind of like making themselves comfortable. But when they look at their lap, there's no cat. And I wonder if I would start to have an allergic reaction to, <laughs> to like, a, ghost a ghost cat. Am I still allergic to them then? I wonder. We'll have to go visit the Crescent Hotel and find out. Others will feel a cat brushing up against their legs when they're on the ghost tours, but there's no ghost there. And there's also been photo evidence of Morris's ghost, but I couldn't find the picture online. People like like to keep their ghost photos to themselves. How rude. 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 Um, okay. This is exciting. So – Along with all of these ghosts, there's also the portal. And during reconstruction of the hotel in the 90s, when Marty and Elise bought it, they decided to get two mediums to come and do a reading of the building. And one of the mediums said that there was a portal to the other side for those who are on the same frequency of energy that exists on the hotel land. Wait, what? What? Okay. So... You have to – how do you know your – can I go? I don't know what your frequency is. I don't know either. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> how do we measure our frequencies? How do we measure? Someone How do us. we know if we match up? Someone tell us. Has anyone else matched up? I don't know. But so this is the thing that like a lot of people who are on ghost tours in this one spot will faint and get dizzy and fall and collapse and then almost as immediately, almost as fast as it happens, they get back up and seem normal again. And it's in the exact spot that the medium and her name was, I'm going to give her credit, um, Carol Heath. She said the portal was in the exact spot that all of these people will faint or like fall to the ground on the ghost tours. So maybe I'm thinking, what if the people who are falling and fainting are people with the same frequencies? Uh, yeah. 
And then does no one ask them what happened? Like, I would think that they would then like astral project into the spirit world for a second. I don't know. It just happened very quickly. But the portal. So the portal makes you faint. It doesn't let you go anywhere. Well, I'm sure if you sat there for like 20 hours and you like meditated and did stuff, then maybe. But if you're just walking by, I don't know. We should go. Okay, let's do it. I'm really excited about this one. This is like one of two places that I've ever said we should go. We should go. I know, seriously. Um, But the portal is actually located outside of the hotel's annex, which is the location directly above the morgue. So where all the bodies were piled I hate morgues. I've never been in one. But just I don't like the concept of I don't know why you would have been in one. You know what? Now that I think of it, I don't know why either. It's not a normal <laughs> thing. But I was like, you know, it's not one of those things I've checked off yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you are when you die, you'll be in one. Maybe in a past life, you've been in one. No, because you're just going to throw me in the trash. They don't need to bring me anywhere. Excuse me? Just put me on the curb. Beacon Hill trash, it picks up Friday morning, Monday morning. Just stick me on the side with all the... And subject all the poor workers to finding a body. <laughs> put me in my Bob Ross Halloween costume. They put you in the front of the truck, like drive you around to pick up some trash. <laughs> so disturbing. If anyone actually did that, can you imagine this was the your idea? messed up? <laughs> there are so many ghosts in this hotel. Like it was actually impossible to just read them all to you. And I, I found like a hundred sites of just people sharing their stories of experiences at the hotel. So I can't share them all, but I will share a few others because aside from the main ghosts that I just kind of shared about, there are also plenty of Victorian era ghosts. And there's one man, oh my God, this is so like heartbreaking, but also really sweet. There's one man who often appears in Victoria era garb sitting in the dining room. And he will tell the waitresses or whoever comes up to him, he'll say, I just saw the most beautiful woman last night, and I'm going to sit here and wait for her to return. So sweet, but I really hope that he's not waiting eternity. Like, he's been waiting a really long time. Who is the mystery woman? Let's help him find his Maybe love. she'll be reincarnated and go back to the hotel and meet his ghost, and they'll live happily ever after like the woman who has sex with ghosts. I don't know. Or the one who married a pirate ghost. Or maybe he'll be reincarnated. And then this is like Age of Adeline, sort of. Ooh. He'll be reincarnated and then he'll fall in love with like the great, great, great granddaughter of the person that he originally saw. Love it. Into it. Love, love it. Love is love. Oh, this one's cool. So back in the day when the um, – it was like after the hospital had been shut down, but there was still the switchboard from the hospital in that hotel and it just kept – going off like kept ringing and there was a staff member who said that in the summer they would get phone calls on the switchboard from the basement recreation room so it'd be like people calling from other places in the hotel and when they pick up no one else was on the other end and they eventually got so bad like they would hang it up because they thought someone was pulling a prank on them but then they would send someone else up to like go check that area and as someone was in that area it would call back down to the switchboard in the basement and they were like okay this is enough i can't deal with this anymore and then they had to get rid of the whole thing (gasps) oh that's so freaky i wonder Mm -hmm. why i want like if it was just for fun if they enjoyed watching prank calling (laughs) everyone i don't know the workers like run around and try to figure it out if they just wanted company Maybe they didn't know what it did and they just kept on pressing it forever. Just being like, one day a light will turn on or something. (laughs) (laughs) What does this button do? 
<laughs> Every five uh, seconds. What does this button do? <laughs> I forgot. Did something happen? I don't remember. Let me try again. Um, there's also there was one Christmas where they had set up the Christmas tree and all these like packages underneath it, and when they the room was empty, and then when people came back in, everything was moved to the opposite side of the room. No one had been in there. It was an impossible job for one person to do. A ghost or many ghosts moved the Christmas trees and presents all to the other side of the room and set up all these chairs around the tree as if there's gonna be like some big thing in front Are of the tree. Are you kidding? This is the most magical thing <laughs> I've ever heard. This is beautiful. I oh, know. They probably did like Christmas carols. Some people unwrapped. I, I all love the kids it. were playing and they all just circled around and had a mm-hmm. wonderful celebration. It just sounds magical. Um, it really does. It reminds me kind of like of Night at the Museum or something. It's like, ooh. okay, everyone's gone. Quick, like rearrange, grab what you need. Like, let's go. It's like Toy, like, Story. Toy Story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, those are just some of the ghost stories. And they're actually on Halloween hosting a seance at the Crescent Hotel for $32 a person. So if anyone's interested, I would never personally go to that because I don't know what that would open myself up to. But if you don't want to do that, they also have – regular tours for $22.50 a person and the hotel and the tours will take you actually throughout the entire hotel starting on the fourth floor and ends in the morgue where it gives you the option to walk into the freezer where all the bodies were piled up see you can go into the morgue on an ordinary day it's not an active morgue it's still a morgue it was (laughs) once holding dead cold bodies shall we do listener stories yes we this shall. is like a perfect episode because we both have listener stories that are exactly about. Well, our mine's places. not. Mine's not. Oh, but Pull, it's from the person mind. who told me about it. This is from Jen. Mm-hmm. It is called "That Time I Visited the Most Haunted House in America." Dun, dun, dun. Hey, ladies. I've been wishing I had a story to share with you, not thinking that I did. And then I started telling this one to my friend, and I just had to send it in. I love that. Oh, yeah. It's like you don't think about it until you, something triggers it. It's like, I don't have any ghost stories. Damn it. Oh, did I tell you about that one time I was at the Whaley House and I saw a ghost? When I was 18, I went to visit my aunt in San Diego. We're both into paranormal stuff, so she decided to take me to the Whaley House in Old Town. It has been called the most haunted house in America because of the number of ghosts that haunt it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We were coming up to the yard, and as we got closer, I started to get this feeling like I was being choked. I must have made a weird face because my aunt asked me what was wrong, and so I told her. And she was like, oh, my God, God, I have to tell you this story. And apparently, way back when, a little girl was running through the yard, and there was a clothesline that was close to the ground, and she ran into it, and it choked her, and she died. Oh, God. So that's a little different than the version that I had read where she fell and broke her neck. But same. Similar feelings yeah it's neck injury right and also people were hanged in that location so that's a similar sensation who knows what it could be attributed to jen writes i was slightly freaked out since this was the first time i had ever experienced anything like that yeah you can take tours of the house but on this particular day they happened to be closed and so my aunt said let's go up on the porch and as soon as we walked up on the porch the choking feeling went away and the heaviness came over my chest i felt sad and my aunt said let's look in the window 
Keep in mind, I had never heard of this place until my aunt suggested we go. And I got so freaked out. And I said, I don't want to look in the window. And she rolled her eyes and said, oh, come on, just look in. Oh, my gosh. And I didn't even look to see if a car was coming. I just booked it across the street and started screaming. I said, I don't want to look in the window. Oh, my gosh. She had such a visceral reaction. Yeah, so strong. The next day they were open. And so I said I wanted to go and check it out. <laughs> next day she's like wait actually i do want to go back yeah her aunt is probably like oh my god where are your parents why am i with you it's like when you're a kid and you're at a like a amusement park and you're terrified of going onto a ride and you're like i don't want to go i don't want to go and then eventually you go on it and you're like i need to go again i need to go again That's never happened to me. I'm not a, uh, I'm not an amusement park ride person. I love them. The next day we're open, blah, blah, blah. I wanted to go back. I had to do a lot of coaxing as my aunt kept saying she didn't want me embarrassing her <laughs> like that, like I did the day before. Amazing. <laughs> as we approached the house, the choking feeling came back and then the heaviness again when we got to the porch. And as soon as we walked inside, I felt instantly at peace. Whoa. A similar thing happened to me at the Lizzie Borden house, but that's a story for another time. I definitely want to hear that story too. Part of the house is set up like a courtroom because it used to be used for that for a little bit. And they have a tour guide that tells you about the house in that room. I kept hearing papers rustling behind me, but nobody was there. And you can also smell what Mr. Whaley's cigar. I like how she says Mr. Whaley. Yeah. Mr. Whaley's cigar in that room. And I can testify that there were not any vents or fans blowing smells around. I looked. And as you walk upstairs, you can smell Mrs. Whaley's perfume. Again, no fans and no vents. It's crazy how how spot on these all these experiences are to the ones that you just told us about like it it right it's, it's pretty everything. consistent like right. people who go there like it's not like you experience one thing and not the others it feels like they're all you kind of have them all it's like a real tour of the house it's like and here you'll probably find anna <laughs> <laughs> and over here you might see it at the dog yeah Uh, The creepiest thing to me was when we saw the beds. The mattresses were indented as if someone was laying in them. The full-size beds even looked like two people were laying on them. And I realized it could be because they were old, but I've recently looked up pictures of the house and none of the pictures of the beds seem to have these indents. Mm. There were leather back – there was a leather-backed chair in the courtroom that also had an indent like someone was sitting in it. This same aunt is coming to visit me in a few weeks, and we're going to Salem, Massachusetts. She's hoping that we have a ghostly experience in the cemetery there. If anything crazy happens, I'll let you know. Jen. What a cool dynamic duo, Jen and her aunt. I want to, like, be a fruit fly on the wall because that seems like a lot of fun. Just these, like, spooky soul sisters just going around to all these haunted tours on these awesome vacations. That's such a crazy experience. Like, yeah, I mean, it's. It's one thing to even just experience one little ghostly paranormal thing, but it seemed like everywhere she went in that house, she got the emotions and feelings of different spirits, wherever, whichever spirit she was crossing. Yeah. It's so crazy. She, she, yeah. And obviously she, Jen must be incredibly open because she experienced so many different things. And also I like the contrast of the outside to inside, you know, like Mm -hmm. bad things happened on the property, but inside the home, the family basically guards it, you know? So it's like tragedy happened outside. Darkness can still be outside, but inside they're making sure that the home is sweet and well-kept and people are comfortable and having a good time. They're being gracious hosts. It's amazing. I need to go to that house. I'm going to go. 
Yes. I need to go to the Lizzie Borden house. That's over by me. Yeah. We both have assignments. We both have homework. Let's both pick a day and we'll both go to our respective haunted houses and then we can report report back. Wonderful. Great. It's a deal. Wonderful. Excited. What do you have to read? Okay. This is from Amber who recommended the Crescent Hotel to me. Okay. She says, girls, I just found your podcast a few days ago and have been binge listening at work. Don't judge. It helps. So excited to have a new fave. Here's a ghost story. I hope you like it. Here in central Arkansas, we have a local radio station, Alice 107.7. Every Thursday in October, they do something called Thriller Thursday, where people call and email their paranormal experiences in. At the end of every Thriller Thursday segment, the talk show hosts decide on which one was the best of all the stories for that day, and they make the announcement give prizes. Uh, I've been an avid listener since this all began some 10 plus years ago. Everyone who knows me knows not to disturb me between the hours of 6 to 10 a.m. on Thursdays in October. I've either got my stereo cranked up, my computer going, and or my earbuds in. I've submitted a few stories over the years, and this week, however, my story won. You'd have thought I, I won the Powerball Millions. I didn't even know until my friend texted me freaking out, which was immediately followed by a tag on Facebook by an out-of-state friend congratulating me on my win. So here's the story that I shared with them. I wanted to see what you guys think. I'm pretty tickled that I won. It will give you chills. Enjoy. My paranormal group was small, but we always managed to find some good places to go and never really had any problems as far as being physically harassed by anything. One night, we got an itch to go on an outing and decided to hit up an old favorite. It was a cemetery, but we always got the best EVP and and photo evidence there. There were maybe six to seven of us, and as we headed out, we always made sure to bring along a guy because, you know, people are crazy, and it's not always a ghost looking to reach out and grab you. So tonight was no exception. Once we arrived at the cemetery, we decided to break up into teams. For the sake of my teammate, I will change his name. We'll call him Jim. He was into paranormal things as well, but his stories were a lot darker and scarier scarier than anything I'd ever experienced. He seemed really nervous when we went, but it never bothered him enough to keep him out. He politely declined praying with the rest of the group to each his own, but we always prayed before and after. And he was always looking over his shoulder as if it was as if something was trying to get him. <gasps> So Jim and I ended up partnering up. This is like I'm getting flashbacks to Rick. Yeah. Episode 12, if no one knows what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Jim and I ended up partnering up and started to make our way around the cemetery. It was cold and we were all bundled up. All was fine until about halfway around the graveyard. Suddenly, he cried out, clutching his side. Startled, I asked what was wrong. And he said, my my side really hurts. It stings. He said, I just grabbed my side instinctively. I asked if maybe he brushed up against something or if maybe a bug had bitten him, and then I realized he was wearing not one but two thick pullover sweatshirts, so that wouldn't have so that would have been a very ambitious bug. We radioed to the others that we were going to run to the car real quick and that Jim was having issues but not to worry. We came back upon the car, we stopped under the only streetlight in the whole place. Apparently the burning and stinging was getting worse by the minute. Jim pulled the side of his shirts up so we could see what was hurting him, and it was bad. Right along his ribs, there were three red, nasty-looking scratch marks, as if something had swiped him with long nails. Oh. I told him what I saw, and needless to say, he was done. After that, he refused to go on any more outings with us. Fast forward a few years. Jim married the daughter of our head investigator, who had two children of her own. At first, he was the model husband, stepfather, etc. At first. 
And then things changed. He got lazy. He got reclusive and mean. And one night, as my best friend and I were sitting outside enjoying the weather and rehashing our days at work, we got a phone call from Jim's sister-in-law. My best friend's husband is a respected detective for the local police department, and the sister-in-law asked us to please call him and send him to such and such address. That night, they found out that Jim had been abusing his stepdaughter from the first day he married her mother, which was shortly before the outing at the cemetery. Some would think that some would think this and the scratches had no connection, but I genuinely believe that whatever was out there knew he was foul. It knew he was evil and didn't want him there either. Oh my god. Oh, I have full body chills. And I'm also just disgusted with this man. It's awful. And I'm so team, like, ghost attacking bad people. You know, we say trust your pets, but sometimes you gotta trust your ghosts. Yeah. If a ghost is attacking someone specifically around you, you might want to take that as a sign that they are not good to be, good for you and they're not good to be around. Yeah, if there's one person that's con- consistently singled out, I think that's a clue. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's interesting because it seems like, and we've talked about this before, where the three scratch marks is always like, to us, seems demonic or dark in some way. But like, maybe even... Maybe even a dark entity was like, this guy's no good. Right. Or maybe it was just simply someone reached out and scratched in their pinky and their thumb. It's the shorter fingers, you know, they don't always get you. Yeah. It's so, I mean, it's so horrible. And it actually reminds of, uh, I can't remember what episode it was. Maybe it was the jail episode that we did. Someone else emailed us a story of she was on a ghost hunting thing with a group and she split up with just the man and the man got like whipped by uh, the prison guard ghost. Yes, yes. And he had a wife. Yeah. And he like kept calling her when, yeah. It's just, I like the idea of going on a ghost hunt, but hearing these stories, it's like you really don't know these people. And like, it's kind of nice to think that there are ghosts out there protecting you. Right. And watching your And even if you, even if you do think you know someone, think about all of the serial killers or people who've, the con men, you know, committed familicide and, they were the best, most ordinary yeah. relatives, neighbors, best friends, parents, volunteers at school. You just – you never know when something – it's – yeah. Sometimes people are really good at hiding. In plain sight. They hide in yes. plain sight. That is a wild experience. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Guys, if you have ghost stories, if you have a ghost protecting you, if you've been to a haunted house, if you've been to the Whaley House or the Crescent Hotel, anything, any ghost story – any weird story, spooky story, anything, send us an email at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. We also have Instagram. We have Twitter. We have a Facebook page you can like. We have a Facebook group that you can join. Yep. We have iTunes where you can rate and review us. We also have merchandise, mm-hmm. which is on through Big Cartel, and you can find it in the link in our Instagram bio or by going onto our website. It's The shop is linked there, and you can buy some spooky swag. Get in the spooky mood. And then also we have Patreon. And uh, as a reminder, if you haven't listened to our encounters episode 22 yet, we are going to in the month of October donate a total of 26% of our the money we make on Patreon, 13% of it to Old Dog Haven and 13% to Black Cat Rescue, which are both nonprofits that help elderly dogs and then black cats. Beloved. And also, if you join our Patreon, you get early access to the live show yes. that we uh, just did. And also, just as a reminder, we have another live show coming up. It's our very first Two Girls, One Ghost only live show. Mm-hmm. It's January 13th. 
it is a Sunday. It's in Los Angeles. And once we get ticket information, we will share the link. Yes. And we will see you on the other side. Very spooky.